back here on Sports Talk as we give you one more show before Thanksgiving. Along with Adrian Broadus, I'm Steve Kaplowitz. You know, I always think about what I give thanks for. Um, first off, having a happy, healthy family. I think that's so important. It really is. Um, because that's first and foremost for me and, and Adrian, I'm sure for you as well. But I'll tell you what, man, I am so thankful uh, for all of you listening all these years. There is nothing, and I mean it, nothing that compares to uh, whenever we talk to people and they will uh, say hi, talk about how long they've listened. Uh, it is phenomenal. From the UPS driver yesterday when I was coming home and he saw me and uh, introduced himself and said he listens to the show. To everybody that we just uh, you know encounter in our day-to-day lives, thank you. We give. I, I'm thankful for all of you. It's what's kept me on the air uh, for 27 years and allowed me to do uh, what I love to do for so long. So really, um, you know, thank you. Uh, and I hope all of you have a very uh, happy, safe, and uh, very rewarding uh, Thanksgiving holiday. Steve, I echo all your sentiments. Thanks to my great family. Thanks to uh, my fiance's great family as well. Uh, now becoming one family. It's crazy to think That's about right. that. Uh, also, give a give a big shout out to all our awesome listeners, all our awesome uh, you know guests that we bring on weekly. We thank uh, them for all the great stuff they do. And uh, you know, I mean, we wouldn't be here at near midnight yesterday uh, doing minor talk in front of just seven, uh, what four thousand fans at the Don Haskins Center. But uh, double overtime warrants some like that and you know we're thankful for all the great listeners to allow us to do things like that yeah it's really true because if it wasn't for them we wouldn't be doing this there's no doubt about it by the way last night was wild really was i was out there with you um watching the game which seemed like it was never going to end and all i can tell you is that it was one of those games that you know for a while i kept thinking to myself they don't deserve to win this game because they were missing so many free throws. It was driving me crazy. I was like, this game, this game could have been over a long time ago. And I felt like, you know, Alcorn just put themselves in position to steal that game. But it wasn't until the double overtime session when the Miners really took control and became assertive last night where you said, okay, they're going to end up winning this one where they didn't have Mario McKinney Jr., might not have him for the rest of the week in the foreseeable future. Who knows what's going to happen there. And also, Otis Frazier um, injures himself yesterday early in the game, and suddenly uh, they're without uh, you know one of their regulars. So they had to play shorthanded by two guys, and Dos Anjos is still out. So, you know, Miners were able to, uh, to, to get that win over Alcorn State, and I liked Alcorn because um, they play a very similar style like UTEP. They guard you. They play good defense. They're undersized, but they play. And listen, some of you out there, stop with the talk about how these are nobodies and nobody goes to watch because they're not playing the bigger schools. Um, first off, these mid-majors have the same opportunity to get into the NCAA tournament like everybody else does. All right? They do. I do like Alcorn State. They're playing right now, actually, uh, against uh, Texas A&M Corpus Christi, who will be Friday night's opponent. And understand this, too. Very important, okay? Power fives don't come here anymore. They don't. You might get Texas eventually because of the relationship with Chris Beard and Joe Golding, just like you had Texas Tech. But you have to realize that power fives 
in basketball or like football. And that means they want home games. That's all they want. They'll pay for home games. They get home games. And unless you're going to do a three-for-one, you're probably not going to get them here into this building. It's not like it used to be. Okay, it's just not. The old days of the Sun Carnival, when you brought in teams like Ohio State, Purdue, Texas, all those great schools that were here, Georgetown, it doesn't happen anymore. That's not realistic. The games have changed. You don't see that. Now, I will say this. If UTEP becomes a perennial tournament team year after year, and as a result, they can command um, a higher RPI net ranking, and if a team comes here, it benefits their schedule, then maybe, yeah, we will see that occasional uh, big game type atmosphere here at UTEP. But UTEP can't afford to pay schools, you know, 80 to 100 grand to come in for games. They can't afford to do that. Not, and the Power Fives, that's what they do. They're not going to do it here. It's different. So you just got to realize that it's that's not, at this point, that's not realistic. So you either have two choices. You either, you either sacrifice your schedule and go play all road games against Power Five teams, or you try to find the best group of fives you can get or mid-majors to come and play and boost your RPI. And if Alcorn right now has an RPI of three before last night and Corpus Christi had an RPI of 37, according to CBS Sports, hey, it's not going to hurt your schedule. It's going to help you. It's going to help your strength. And you know what? You bring them in for some tournament games, and they're entertaining games. Last night was a good basketball game. And the fact that there was 4,000 fans there on a holiday week where a lot of people are already out of town because the kids are off school this week and doing other things, hey, that's just that, that's just the way it goes. I don't think anybody expected 10,000 there last night. And as this team keeps playing and gets better and better and better and starts to rack up wins, they go to DePaul and beat DePaul in Chicago, and they start off conference play well, the fans will come. They'll come. The word's going to get out about this team, just like it uh, just like it has in the past, and fans will be there. But, I, I mean, all this stuff about, you know, you know you're not getting any fans because you're bringing Alcorn State in. Hey, man, uh, they could very well be playing tournament basketball in March, and if that's the case, uh, who cares about a name? You want to play the best possible team you can play, regardless of size. That that, that size of school and program has never bothered, has never really been a thing for me. I, I'd rather just play good quality basketball teams. And yesterday, Alcorn, despite the fact they couldn't shoot a three, uh, guarded the Miners all game. You know, I would to all the people out there who are knocking the non-conference schedule. A, I would just say uh, no one understands how difficult it is for UTEP and Las Cruces, you know, New Mexico State to re- go out and schedule non-conference opponents at home. No one understands how difficult that is. Just look ten years ago. That's what's real interesting to me. Ten years ago, when you look at this UTEP team and who they scheduled on their home, uh, you know, on their home schedule, it's UTSA, it's UC Riverside, it's a team like Stephen F. Austin, it's a team like New Mexico State. State, Southern, McNeese State, Colorado State, Arkansas Pine Bluff. You want to tell me that 10 years ago uh, with Tim Floyd as the head coach, UTEP going 15 and 17, that they're playing better opponents than UTEP is right now? That That's just not the case. There are uh, You can go year by year and just see that there are non-conference opponents that UTEP has to schedule at home for whatever reason. And I would look at Alcorn State last night and what we saw – 
I, I think there's an argument to be made that this Alcorn State team is a very, very good mid-major team. And I, I think that people take for granted, you know, it, it's the cliche statement of you judge a book by its cover, you judge a team by their name. And for Alcorn State, that's not the sexy type of name that a lot of fans want to see. They want to see, you know, a team like uh, anybody out of the Power Five, anybody out of the Mountain West, anybody out of the American Athletic. But the reality is that is way easier to do as far as scheduling them on your non-conference schedule than it is uh, realistic. It's just not as realistic as it once was. And it's mostly due to what we deal with on a day-to-day basis with the transfer portal. It has to do with schedule making and the relationships that you had. I'm not knocking this current coaching staff on the relationships they have or or don't have because uh, what we're seeing so far is them putting together an MTE that's coming up here right now in in November and they have another uh, invitational coming up in December. And I've seen some quality opponents all across the board and there's really, when you compare 10 years ago to right now, there's really no difference in the caliber of opponent UTEP is playing in non-conference. No, none at all. I mean, realistically, that's uh, you you want to prepare yourself and, and they're doing that. And by the way, Bakersfield beat Corpus Christi. And I really thought that Corpus Christi could be the most dangerous of these three teams because they went to the tournament last year and they bring them back six of their starters, their, or their five starters and, and another player. So when their entire starting lineup is back and one more player, I thought they were going to be the most dangerous. Bakersfield beat them by almost double digits yesterday. Yeah, and right now, Bakers, excuse me, Texas A&M Corpus Christi is on top of, uh, you, you know, um, in, in this game, Alcorn State. It's a 10-5 to game early on, but I expect that one to be a dogfight. I think all these teams are real, you know, good quality opponents for the Miners to host at home. And when you just take into perspective and take into consideration how hard schedule making is, this is a solid uh, you know, run here for the Miners to host these three teams. Let's uh, go ahead and let you listen to what happened after the game. This UTEP team tonight, I'm not trying to make excuses for them. I'm just trying to tell you it is what it is. They were shorthanded. They did not have a single person to get them a bucket. Tay Hardy and Calvin Solomon had to fight for everything tonight. And uh, you know, you can knock those guys. You could say that they have some weaknesses, sure. But I'm taking more of the good. The fact that UTEP grinded this game out and and gutted it out for a victory, that's impressive to me. Let's go to Mike from Austin. Mike, what's going on? So this was Patriots versus the Jets, (laughs) anemically offensive teams with defensive prowess. So my point being that while we saw an ugly win, portends or foretells what may occur for both of these teams in the future. This was a tough-fought battle. The tougher team won this evening and, and watched it in tooth and nail and saw the end. I said, man, this is the Patriots and the Jets. An ugly game with defensive greatness and offensive horrificness. Let's welcome on Ronnie, who's joining us next on the phone lines. You guys are homers. Like, kudos to the for winning this game. But I'm going to harp on the same fact that I brought up. Where is the guard play? And you keep telling me Grimmins is a guy. I don't know, man, because let me tell you something. I watched Jelly Walker today lead UAB about 30 on Georgia and come back and win that game, and it wasn't even close. Had, had Georgia down by 18 at one point. So if you're telling me the Miners are going to go out there and outscrap a team like that, yeah, that that's just not going to happen, man. We've got Danny from Virginia who's joining us next. 
UTEP basketball has always been a part of my life, so it, it's good to see these guys and, and this new team fighting hard. And I, I'm just going to say some quick words. Is uh, There's a lot of things that I want to see them do better, obviously free throws, um, but to see this guys play defense the way that they've been playing defense, I mean, it's it's awesome, man. I, I truly can appreciate that. It, it's it's something you can build off of. You got to hit those free throws, but they won the game. I'm proud of them. You know, they fought hard. And, and as, a, as a guy from El Paso living all the way the heck out here in Virginia, uh, I'm, I'm proud of them. Let's keep things moving on the phones. Let's welcome on Jason Craig, who's joining us on the show. We almost had a malice in the palace is all I got to say. I'm serious. I'm telling you what happened. So, you know, the student section, we get a little rowdy. We get really intense. And our job is to really distract the team and get underneath their skin. But in that, sec- in that second overtime, it gave us more time to do that. And so that we really got underneath one of the players' uh, skins. This is number five. Got, he got out of his seat and was walking towards us. Caesar, uh, the cheer coach, he had to go over there and kind of stop him. But he was still coming. And then the, their coaches got up and try to help. Let's welcome on Hunter onto the program. Oh, man, that was the uh, most frustrating game since the Bradley game last year. That's the first time this season I've been frustrated with Golding and him specifically. You know, one thing I've noticed about him that I don't like, hardly any in-game adjustments. He will sit there and let them keep pounding their head against the wall and not make any adjustments. Now, to the positive, though, that's about as bad as they can play rebounding-wise and offensively. And they came away with a win. I don't think they're going to shoot that poorly again. I'll bet you they come out tomorrow and light it up. I wouldn't be surprised. Sarah, welcome aboard here on Minor Talk. How's it going? What what I noticed most of all was us missing McKinney. feel like McKinney is a spark. He plays fast. Honestly, feel like our guards. You know, y'all talk about the front court a lot and the the lack of, of offense, but I think that our guards are having to play a whole lot of defense. I played college uh, for a little while, and I, I, I do know how hard it is to play both sides of that court. You know, and, and I know there's some people out there who have that motor. I mean, that is our telephone number. A lot more to get to, including a story out of Albuquerque on uh, thanks to a KRQE that could have uh, definite uh, ripple effects as far as Utah basketball goes. We'll explain next, right after uh, we say hello to Charlie One and get this traffic update. 21 passed. As we continue here on Sports Talk, 505-6009 gets you into the program. You can also tweet the show, 600 ESPN El Paso on Twitter. You know, so many times, Sports Talk, 505-6009, that gets you right on in and through to the program. Miners tonight. Uh, They get uh, Cal State Bakersfield, a team that won yesterday. And right now we've got that Alcorn State uh, A&M Corpus Christi game going on, the battle of teams that lost yesterday. Alcorn lost to UTEP in double overtime. Corpus lost to Bakersfield in the 4 o'clock game, which is what's happening right now. Uh, Some observations, and I I do want to piggyback off what uh, Hunter said, because I do agree with him. Number one, they didn't make good adjustments in the second half. Um, they didn't shoot any free throws. The free throws were a total disaster. I even saw Earl Boykins after the game, and I looked at him when he was with his kids, and I said, man, free throws. He goes, yeah, we're working on it. I said, okay, 
All right. Yeah, even Golding was like, hey, you wouldn't believe it, but we made most of our free throws in practice. Well, they also don't make three-pointers yesterday because they missed every one of those for the, for the most part, except for like one. They were just throwing up bricks. Uh, we've, we've talked about how offensively challenged this team is going to be. I mean, their identity is going to be their defense. But on that, on that note, they were killed on the glass yesterday, and that was a surprise because it wasn't like Alcorn was throwing a bunch of six nine six ten guys at them, and yet they were dominating uh, the rebounding. Which, you know, that's the one thing I, I will tell you this: I think that if UTEP can't score, they have to definitely just you know identify their defensive identity and and be able to win the rebounding battle every game. They didn't do that yesterday. And when you get beat on the glass as bad as they did and shoot as badly from the line as they did, uh, they were definitely lucky, and I mean lucky, to come away a winner in double overtime. Yeah, that, that's what makes this win, um, to me, more impressive, knowing that they played so poorly offensively, knowing that they were without Otis Frazier, who's been their uh, reliable shooting guy, and, and he's the guy who can kind of cut to the rim, he can create his own shot, he can, he can work off uh, ball and be an off-ball scorer, and on the defensive side, he's also somebody you can rely on, so they didn't have him to spell any of the guys there yesterday, and they didn't have Mario McKinney Jr., another guy that they rely on to give them some offensive scoring you know off the bench 100 percent right and the more i watch shamar givens i don't know if he can score uh and you know he might get his five seven nine points a game but i i don't see shamar as the kind of player that can can drop 15 or 20 with regularity like tay hardy can i mean tay hardy is a scorer okay he is the look they don't have sule boom and they really don't have anything close but i will say that Tay Hardy resembles Sule from a scoring standpoint more than anybody else on this team. Um, at times, I think Calvin Solomon wants to be that guy, um, but you know, you look at the rest of this team. Uh, Sibley is not a is not a guy that's going to give you twenty a game. Uh, Givens, uh, n- uh, not even close. Uh, same thing goes for um, Malik Zachary, who can't shoot free throws either, and that's a problem. Look, when you're a guard and you get to the line. You, if there's one thing you have to be able to do, it's make a free throw. I mean, you are a guard. So you would think that guards would be the best free throw shooters on the team. And once again, I think the biggest issue with UTEP's guards, other than Tay Hardy, is that they can't score with regularity. And they're a little offensively challenged. I mean, look, you know, you've got um, Onyema as a scoring option. You've got Hardy as a scoring option. God bless Calvin Solomon's free throw shooting because I think he was 3 of 12 yesterday from the line. And that's another issue. If you get to the line as often as Calvin Solomon goes, you got to make some free throws. You can't shoot. You cannot shoot 25% from the line and get there 12 times because that's hurting you more than helping you. Uh, He has ability to score, but hey, you got to put the ball in the basket. You just have to put the ball in in the basket because uh, as you know you heard yesterday when Ronnie called up there are plenty of guys in Conference USA that can score and will score and that is something that you know does concern me a little bit with this UTEP team is that as as good as they are defensively 
that's as challenged as they are at times to score. I agree completely with what what you're saying there, and I think that you we also have to remember with uh, Tay Hardy, he's never going to be somebody like Sule Boom. He's going to possibly be. I think the the realistic goal for him is to be like a Jamal Bienemy, but like more of an off ball Jamal Bienemy, not the point guard Jamal Bienemy, the off guard ball, uh, the off uh, ball guard that Bienemy was, kind of in the midway point of the season where he and Sule Boom shared the point guard duties. Uh, I feel like for Shamar Givens, I'm not ready to write him off as an offensive scoring option. He just is looking like he's he needs to find his spot. He doesn't have a spot right now. He's not somebody who can score off the dribble. He's somebody who kind of has to create his own shot, whether it's driving to the basket. We saw him like dash past a couple defenders late in the game, Steve, and he he made a layup kind of effortlessly, but he cont- it was like a contested layup. And we were looking at each other like, where has this been all game? And for somebody like, I think, you know, for Jamari Sibley, he's not uh, that proactive guy. I think that's my biggest challenge for him is it, Calvin Solomon needs some help he needs to be spelled sometimes and Sibley has to be that proactive guy to help him out there I think that this team real quick on the free throws UTEP right now is in the bottom 10 in the country right now 356 out of 363 teams uh, in the country right now in free throw percentage and they are in the bottom five in three-point percentage at 19.6 percent right now in three-pointers I said at the beginning of the season before they ever played a game this team is going to struggle to score I didn't think it would be this bad, but they they can't shoot. I mean, that's just what it comes down to. They can't shoot the basketball. So, uh, at least not with regularity. Uh, There are games when they'll come out and they'll, you know, they'll make shots. They'll shoot 50 or better uh, from the field. But more often than not, uh, this team's going to struggle, especially against good defensive teams. You know, Alcorn played defense yesterday. And they struggled to score. They did. They, I thought Alcorn really was in position to win that basketball game. I thought they were going to steal it in uh, either regulation or in overtime when they had the chances to. They, they, they just couldn't do it, and then they all fouled out. I mean, the reason that Alcorn lost that game was because their best players were all on the bench with five fouls by the second overtime. Yeah, that's a really good point. Also, like you look at this offense right now, it has its troubles. It has the challenges that we're seeing. But when we what we've seen so far from Joe Golding in two years is that he, the offense kind of comes along second. It's always defense first, offense second. And we might see the offense kind of round to form in December, January. I know a lot of fans want to see it now, but last year, this time, Monday, November 22nd of last year, UTEP lost a game against UC Riverside in which they scored only 40 points. They lost 52-40, to 40, and we were questioning their offensive challenges then. So for this team, it's about them, and it's up to them to turn the corner. That's a great point you bring up. And by the way, Sule Boom really struggled offensively this time last year. Really struggled. And we were questioning whether Sule could score. He was in the worst slump of his career. Yeah, and I know that Keontae Kennedy suffered that injury after the Bradley loss, uh, but after that, it felt like UTEP was reeling. They lost to UAB, they lost to La Tech and Charlotte to start off conference play, and it really took Biennemi and Boom to kind of take it upon themselves to be the scoring guys, and it wasn't just them. Like People forget Alfred Hollins had a game winner last year, and I think that what we're going to see from this team, just knowing what last uh, year's team brought, is a lot of balance. You'll see somebody become the guy on one night, Jarrell Satterfield became the the guy on, on the given night, well, I, I believe on this team, you might have a game where Calvin Solomon is the clear guy. And I, I think last night in the stretch, it was him and Tay Hardy who helped the Miners to victory. Yep, absolutely right. Um, 31 past the hour as we continue. 505-6009. There is a story that broke less than an hour ago from from the uh, CBS Fox affiliate in Albuquerque. We'll explain what they just wrote about on the website. But first, let's go to Adrian to get this bottom of the hour Sports Center update. 
Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Adrian, as we continue. By the way, I don't know if you've seen what the um, what the paint looks like in the Maui Invitational, but it's wild, man. Oh, really? Oh, I love they've the got Maui. Uh, they they they've uh, it's it's a little distracting actually. I don't know how they've done it, but yeah, that paint is uh, is pretty wild. Creighton's playing Arizona right now, by the way. That's a good wow. one. Wow. That so, is a good one. What what does it say about us? And I'm not knocking us. I I agree with what we're talking about right here, but what does it say about us? I had this conversation earlier that we're we're talking some Maui invitation, we're talking UTEP basketball, we're talking about NFL injury news. And the World Cup is going on right exactly. now. Isn't By that way, crazy? And, and Japan had yeah. an upset that was, I don't want to say it was on the verge of what uh, Saudi Arabia did to Germany, but on that level, I mean, they shocked Germany. They were down one nothing and they ended up winning 2-1. to one. Yeah, all these upsets. Well, I'm, first off, I'm not trying to pretend to be the World Cup guy because no. I'm, I'm still going to watch the Maui Invitational. I'm sorry. I, lo- I watch soccer when I can, but I'm still watching the Maui Invitational over most things right now. And, and I'm going to say this. There have been some great upsets so far in the World Cup. It's been dramatic. I mean, Japan beating Germany, Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. Look at what we see so far. This is such interesting stuff that we're seeing right now in the World Cup, but it just shows you how much sports that are going on across the world right now no you're right uh you're absolutely right by the way it's it's hard to uh wake up at like four in the morning and start watching uh, start watching world cup action that is not easy not easy at all but that's what's happening all right um anyway i'm gonna let uh, you, you can see the court from the uh, maui invitational here in a moment as we continue on the show so um the upsets are uh, significant in World Cup play, and I don't know what's a bigger upset, Japan knocking off Germany or Saudi beating, uh, I would say probably Saudi Arabia because yeah. that's just, number one, Argentina had like 32 straight wins, and of all the teams to beat them, Saudi Arabia? I mean, you don't think about Saudi soccer. You just don't. No, you don't. And another thing is uh, Argentina was going in as one of the favorites to come out of the World Cup. And I'm not, I'm not burying them by yeah. any means, but I'm just saying this is an uphill battle for them. Wow, that, that court is awesome for the Maui Invitational. You like that? Yes, I love it. Hey, there's this a is lot, the there's a of, lot. There's a lot going on in the lane. This is one of those times where, oh my, and the backdrop too? This is incredible. This is why we watch college basketball in the month of November. Don't you hope that one day UTEP can play in the Maui Invitational? Yes, yes, or any Invitational for that matter. Send them overseas. Send them to, uh, you know, a, a, you know, a tournament outside of uh, the U.S. Send them wherever. Uh, but I just want UTEP to play in another Invitational like they did with that Diamond Head Classic out in Hawaii. And by the way, Maui Jim sponsors the Maui Invitational. Really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Absolutely. All right. Let me uh, go to Greg. He's joining us next from the west side of town. Hey, Greg, what's going on, man? How are you? Hey, happy Thanksgiving Eve to everybody. Guys, uh, we're we're, we're doing good. Just uh, listening to you guys. Awesome. Yeah, great victory. Great victory by the Miners last night. We weren't there, but we heard. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited about uh, USA men's national team versus England, the three Lions on Friday. It's going to be crazy. Not only is that going to be a big, big, very pivotal match, but then you have Black Friday, you yep. have UTEP basketball tournament. Uh, it, uh, there's a, if, if you don't have enough sports going on in your life, well, you know what? You need to check yourself in a little bit because there's a lot of stuff going on. But, yeah, we're ready for 
for U.S. Uh, soccer and uh, to have a, a big performance against England. Well, they had Wales down, um, but as we've talked about on the show, the Zimmerman penalty killed them, led to the PK. It was a penalty, the uh, probably uh, ill-advised, given the fact of where the penalty was taken away from the ball and the circumstances surrounding it. It cost the U.S. three, but the fact is when the U.S. dominates for the first 45 the way they did and they only get one goal coming out of it, that's the other issue. So now it puts them in a very... Very, very tough predicament to try and either draw or beat England. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, absolutely. The first half was was pretty phenomenal. I mean, Tim Tim Weah just I've, I've been you know watching him for the last couple of years. I mean, he's a phenomenal player. We have a good young squad, and yeah, you're right. We have to play a full game, you know, with full blown intensity like we did in the first half versus Wales. And of course, Wales is good. I mean, what they haven't been there in like 33 years. Yep. You know, Gareth Bale and company. So, um, yeah, we, we have our work cut out for us today. As a matter of fact, I was out doing some errands today, and I'm wearing my American Outlaw shirt, and we see, I, I see this uh, dude with the with England jersey. I didn't quite talk to him, but I <laughs> should have. But, no, it, it's just going to be good. And, again, you know, the American Outlaws, we're over here at, at the, the, the former Brass Monkey, the district, hanging out there. So it, it's, it's going to be great. I mean, it's going to be crazy. But, yeah, this is a long time coming, considering we didn't qualify the last World Cup. That was a debacle. But, uh, no, I'm, I'm – you know, we're, as long as the U.S. can play, you know, very smart ball, you know, attack and, and you know, play, you know, intense, you know, a full match. Yep. Because uh, England's good. they got some young talent, young strikers. And you're right, all these upsets going on, it's crazy. So, you know, I just wanted to chime on in here. Let's go, everybody. Uh, support the U.S. And, uh, hey, happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Happy Thanksgiving. Appreciate the call, Greg. Thanks for getting in. 39 past the hour right now as sports talk continues. Yeah, you're right. I mean, this holiday, oh, my God. You've got World Cup soccer. You've got football on Thursday, football and college on Friday, rivalry week Saturday, NFL Sunday, UTEP football, UTSA Saturday, basketball tonight, basketball Friday. It is like a sports lover's paradise right now. Yeah, this is the type of weekend to just uh, leave the TV on. It's just like you just leave it on whether it's ESPN, ESPN or whatever, and uh, you're just watching sports all the time. You uh, may make a, an occasional trip to the kitchen to, to pick up on some leftovers or something like that, but I'm looking forward to a lot of uh, sports watching this weekend. Yeah, I am too. All right, I promise you that story uh, from KRQE in Albuquerque. We'll do that next. 39 past. The sports talk continues here on 600 ESPN El Paso. All A&M Corpus Christi right now. Two minutes left in the first half, 43-26. Corpus wow. Christi up 17 on Alcorn. Hey, this is concerning me for tonight's game with the Miners. Double overtime can absolutely wipe you out the next day. You're gassed. You have, like, Shamar Givens playing almost 50 minutes. Same with Tay Hardy. These guys are going to be gassed tonight. I agree. I totally agree. All right. Um, KRQE, which is in Albuquerque, it's a uh, – Next star owned uh, CBS and Fox is reporting that uh, I'll just read you the story from Scott Brown. A former New Mexico State University player and current Utah player was allegedly involved in a f- in a in a first. It's good to see, by the way. Nice. It's good to see that they really went ahead and typed this out. I'm reading it exactly the way it's written. 
I think it's supposed to be fight, but Scott wrote first. So as uh, let me read it again. This is Albuquerque for you folks. A former New Mexico State University player and current Utah player was allegedly involved in a first between UNM and NMSU students. Witnesses say that Mario McKinney can be seen punching someone on the ground in this fight. Now, uh, they also say McKinney was pulled from the roster on Tuesday in their game against Alcorn State. UTEP officials would not confirm if the fight was the reason he was not in the game, but did say that they are currently reviewing the alleged involvement of UTEP student-athletes in the incident and can't discuss matters concerning specific students. They also went on to say that McKinney was arrested for assault earlier this year. After the season, he transferred to UTEP. By the way, this is probably the worst written story um, we've read in a while. Scott, not good, my friend. Not good. You rushed to get it out, and you should have proofread it. So it's a disaster. First off, um, in the story, he's talking about witnesses. I have not heard anything in this entire incident that even has witness accounts talking about anything with this fight besides this story today. You and I were on a press conference call that lasted almost uh, an hour and uh, 15 minutes, and not once did we hear the word witness used at all. Nope. We use we heard FERPA, we heard investigation, we heard Mike Peak, we heard NMSU, we heard that there was this UTEP student involved, and yeah, people can make conclusions, they can draw conclusions, but uh, I just feel like this was kind of irresponsible right here. I'm with you. I mean, who are these witnesses, and yeah. why has why have we had no witness accounts for anything else that's happened uh, since this uh, incident on October 15th? How come this is the only story where there's apparently witnesses uh, being being cited? Yeah, that's that doesn't make any sense to me right there. And I think that, hey, while you can draw some conclusions, if you know, you know, if you're out there and you've seen the video, you get it. But you can't report on things that aren't made factual yet or, or haven't even been talked about in a matter of fact way. Absolutely. Absolutely. So anyway, we don't know the extent of the situation. All I know is this. There was a cop during that entire brawl who uh, did not get involved let it go, and I didn't see any arrests after the fight was over. Not a single arrest. Nothing. So um, the thing is this. If it was a fight like was on caught on tape and there was a cop there and he chose not to get involved and didn't make any arrests afterwards, um, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you, folks. I really don't. All I know is, uh, you know, say what you want about, about a cell phone video that um, wasn't even uh, really being talked about until um, this weekend, but that's currently where we're at right now. Yeah, it's so frustrating, too, that we're we're having to circle back on a story like this before it's made public or before we have any kind of details around it. I know a lot of people want to hear more details, and unfortunately they're not available because this investigation is still going on right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Um, uh, by the way, Apparently, they actually they actually did this story on TV. Wow. You want to hear this? This was actually on KRQE uh, today. Here you go. Let me see if I can get you some audio for this. Oh, here we go. Let me uh, do that again. And I will work on having the, uh, the audio this time. Here we go. Um, Former NMSU player and current UTEP player was also allegedly involved in that UNM NMSU football fight. Witnesses say that is Mario McKinney seen punching someone on the ground in this fight. 
McKinney was pulled from the roster yesterday in UTEP's game against Alcorn State. UTEP officials would not confirm if the fight was the reason he was gone yesterday. All they would say is that they are currently reviewing the alleged involvement of UTEP student athletes in the incident and can't discuss matters concerning specific students. McKinney, as you might remember, was arrested for assault earlier this year when he was with the Aggies. After the season, he transferred to UTEP. Wow. That actually made the news um, out there in Albuquerque. Interesting worded, uh, yes. you know, the, the way that they worded that last part. That was very interesting how they worded that. I agree with you. Uh, before we get to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl watch coming up here at the top of the hour with Bernie Olivas, uh, let's get to Victor. We've got about two minutes left in the hour. He joins us on the show. Victor, what's going on? Oh, not much, Steve. Happy Thanksgiving to you and Adrian, by the way. Uh, you too, um, Vic. I wanted to uh, just uh, shine, uh, chime in very briefly. I'm very disappointed that uh, not any more consideration was given by either Mario or the uh, AD at UNM to playing the game up there in, in Albuquerque or here with uh, only essential personnel involved. Um, that That's my first comment. And then my second comment to close it out, so uh, the uh, UNM NMSU ladies game over there is still going to uh, happen. Yep, uh, that's, that's correct. What, that's what the the current plan. Yes. Um, I, now I'm going to make a comment. I don't want anybody getting upset at me, you or or uh, Adrian. Or well, you're running out of time, of so you're in, you're in good shape, Victor, because we're not going to even have time to get upset with you. So you okay, actually okay, could good. get the last word this hour. Go ahead. Okay. Who who can assure that nothing's going to happen in Albuquerque. I pray that nothing will happen. God forbid. But who can assure that nothing's going to happen at that NMSU UNM ladies game uh, that's going to happen here in a few days? No, the only thing you can do is uh, just have metal detectors at the entrance and and, uh, pat everybody down the way you would for a rock show and uh, just make sure nobody's bringing anything in with them. That's all. God forbid. Yeah, God God forbid. forbid. That's right. That's right. 100%. God bless you guys, and have a happy Thanksgiving. Have lots of turkey and, and all the goodies that go along with it. Okay, guys? Be well, Victor. Thanks for the call. Appreciate you wrapping us up in hour number one. Coming up next, our 5 o'clock hour. Oh, wait a minute. Adrian, where are you going? Um, mm. I don't, Bernie Olivas is getting ready to come in, and Adrian uh, all of a sudden seems to be on his way out. Let's, uh, uh, l- I'm let's, sorry, Steve. I got to bounce. Oh, come on. We got we, No, you don't. We got, the, we got the watch coming up. Anyway, all right. Tony the Tiger. Sun Bowl Watch is next. We'll find out what's going on with Adrian right here at 600 ESPN El Paso. It's the start of hour number two here on Sports Talk. Welcome back, everybody. Steve Kaplowitz with you as we continue um, and get ready for the Thanksgiving celebration, the holidays, the turkey, the football. How about the parade? That's right, the parade. Bernie Olivas back with us for another edition of the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Watch. And uh, you've brought a, a special guest. In fact, We've got the president here. Uh, people are wondering, the president of who? How about the president of the Sun Bowl this year, Bernie? Absolutely. Glad to have him here. Again, uh, we've been working together all year long, and uh, glad to have him here to, to close out the, the, the football season as we, as we know it as far as the picks are concerned. And uh, looking forward to it. Like I said, tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, be there. Starts on Ochoa, goes all the way to Copia for the Glacian Vias Enderman, you know, Thanksgiving Day Parade. And I'll tell you, it is going to be one of the par- best parades I've seen in a while. The floats are incredibly colorful. Nice. The theme 
famous Mardi Gras, El Paso style, and of course all the purples and 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 yellows and oranges. It's just going to be a great parade. Robert Dunlop here with us right now. He is the president of the Sumble Association. First off, welcome aboard. Good to have you here. And um, uh, tell me a little bit. How's the how's the presidency going? This is where all the fun is right now. The next couple of uh, weeks, really, the next five six weeks, Robert, you're going to be nonstop with all this. Yeah, honored to be here, and yes, you're, you're exactly right. The, it's going to get busier and busier, and at this point, we have no clue who's coming. It's, uh, it's I like that. crazy. So, so um, since you've never been on the show before, and this is your first time, why don't you uh, uh, give us a little, little bit about, tell us a little bit about yourself and kind of what you do when you're not uh, working and volunteering with the Sunball Association. Sure, you got it. I moved here in 2001 to run the first Schneider Electric plant. And uh, my first opinion was I'll be there three years and move on. But 21 years later, I'm still here and love El Paso. So I wanted to get involved in community events. And in 2006, I had an opportunity to get involved with the Sun Bowl and been there ever since. Did you get involved uh, through the Sun Bowl football game or was it uh, something else that, that brought you in? It was the Sun Bowl College All-American Golf Tournament. It was a great event. Uh, and we're actually looking at bringing that back in a different form in a couple of years, hopefully. That's awesome. Uh, did you play uh, golf yourself? Yes, absolutely. Excellent. And by the way, I, I, I have always said that that event in particular was one of the uh, hidden gems of the Sumble Association because people don't realize until uh, years later when they see some of these same individuals playing on the PGA Tour and winning majors and winning millions of dollars that – they all had an opportunity to stop off in El Paso uh, before they really had to ch- became uh, the players they are today. Absolutely. It was one of my favorite events, and I still keep in touch with probably four or five of my golfers to this day. We text, and it's great event. Loved it. That's that's phenomenal. Now, have you cashed in on the uh, PGA perks and uh, gone to watch some tour events uh, with some of these individuals that you might have housed or at least uh, had a chance to, uh, you know, uh, um, chaperone over the course of the years? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, back in 2011 or 10, I can't remember exactly, we went to the Ryder Cup, me and a friend, and we were sitting there and my golfer from Wales comes running over and says, hey, he was driving around Colin Montgomery of all people. And he drives over and says hi to us. I mean, it was Really cool. Oh, that's really awesome. Cool. And how do, you, how do you describe what Ryder Cup golf is like watching it in person? It is unbelievable. I mean, it is, if you can do a Ryder Cup in Europe, it is off the charts. I believe it. Yeah. Bernie, um, I'm just out of curiosity. You've done so many golf events uh, because of this tournament, plus your close relationship with Fred Albers uh, that we've talked about over the years. Have you, have you done Ryder Cup golf? Has that been something you've ever watched in person? No, I have not. Of course, I'm stuck to the TV every time that comes on. Uh, uh, but uh, I had an opportunity to go. He said, hey, do you want to come up? When I think it was at Beth Page Black, but I just, I just couldn't get away. And uh, well, that's, that's obviously on top of my bucket list, a golf bucket list. But just think about Robert there in case, you know, you know he's a golf. He is a former club champion at El Paso Country Club. Is he really? He can move the golf ball around. He can golf that ball pretty well. Oh, he's a club champ? All right. Correct. I mean, can you come back one of these days and, and just uh, spend an hour talking about the money games at El Paso Country sure. Club? <laughs> yeah. You got a big one on Fridays. <laughs> I believe it. Those are, from what I understand, they're legendary yeah. and, um, and and pretty hotly contested. So if you are the um, club champ, that means you've got some stories to tell, don't you? Oh yeah, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely, I'd love to do it. Yeah, I'm sure he does. I love that. I absolutely love that. Um, and by the way, if you haven't been to El Paso Country Club recently, they, they renovated the inside uh, when you walk in. It is absolutely gorgeous right now. They've done a terrific job. Yeah, um, absolutely. And we have the new uh, facility for the uh, workout facility and the outdoor bar, outdoor patio, and the uh, premier event center for the community. It's the upstairs ball area. It's beautiful. 
So when you do get a chance to bring this golf tournament back, assuming it goes back to El Paso Country Club, uh, it's going to be even bigger and better than ever, Bernie. Oh, I think that the venue now is, 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 you know, it's just as good as any of the big of the big big ones now. And hopefully, again, uh, there's a couple of hurdles to to jump over, but I think we can bring this tournament again, like Robert said, in a different format. Uh, I just think it's a great addition to the Sun Bowl, uh, you know, menu, and I, I hope hope it comes to fruition. I'm with you on that one. All right, so we're going to talk uh, we're going to talk games here in a little bit, uh, but let's talk about what went down last week uh, as we continue with the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl watch as it re- re- you know relates to this game, ACC. All right, let's just uh, start first and foremost. How did North Carolina lose at home to Georgia Tech, Bernie? Because that is one of those games that nobody, I mean nobody, had on their list. Absolutely. I had two surprises on the ACC, and the other one involved the other North Carolina team. North North Carolina State, you know, losing to Louisville. Louisville is playing very good football right now, so maybe it wasn't that big of a surprise, but it was. But but it was at NC State, and uh, both North Carolinas uh, lost. That was a big shocker to us, from you know, f- you know, from that from the ACC standpoint. But uh, North Carolina is still still going to play for the uh, for the conference championship. Unfortunately, NC State dropped out of the top twenty-five of the CFP standings, but Louisville jumped back in, so they still have four. And five, including Notre Dame, who are ranked in the top 25 in the college football uh, playoff ranking. So, uh, again, when you look at the other side, it just it just lends itself to a great matchup for the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl on the 30th. So lose one, gain another. That's yeah. always a nice way to look at it when you're talking and about actually, the ACC. Actually, it puts Louisville kind of sort of back in our picture, too. Mm-hmm. That's true. And by the way. They're having a good season, seven and four right now, with a chance to be eight and four when it's all said and done. And I think I think we're guaranteed at the very least a seven and a seven and five team from the ACC, which is pretty good, especially where we pick. So I'm looking at the games. Clemson crushed Miami. We talked about the North Carolina loss. Uh, Notre Dame blanked BC, forty-four uh, nothing. Florida State had a layup because they played Louisiana and won forty-nine seventeen. You mentioned the Louisville victory over NC State. That was in Louisville. We should note that. Uh, Virginia Tech beat Liberty in a terrific football game, 23-22. Uh, Pitt and Duke, that lived up to the hype. 28-26, Bernie, uh, in a wild game out at Pitt, but uh, the Panthers were able to hold on and win. Actually, Robert and I were at that game. Uh, I thought I th- we both of us thought there was a, a questionable coaching decision that might have cost Duke an opportunity to win the game. But, but uh, yeah, you know, they were up, uh, uh, Pitt's up 14 points. Duke scores, and they go for two. I didn't understand that move. Neither of us understood that move. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't get it. They got the ball back, scored again. Now it had to go for two to tie and didn't get it either, where two extra points would have at least given them a chance to win it in overtime. So don't understand that move, but it was a good game, and it was kind of chilly out there. It was an 18-degree wind chill factor. Oh, my God. It was a little chilly. Were you, but weren't you in the press box? For the, mo- for the most part, that's where we wanted to go. But we went down to the field in the fourth quarter and and, right. uh, and saw some of the action a little close up. Uh, How were you dressed? Chilly. How were you dressed uh, as far as the fourth? Did you know it was going to be that cold, and were you prepared? Oh, I wore long johns from the time I left the house because okay. I knew where I knew where we were headed. So I was pretty well insulated when that time we got. But it was still yep. chilling cold. Robert, what about you? Yeah, I was in a coat and tie, but I did have the thermals underneath, and there you it, go. it uh, worked out great. What do you have, like a big overcoat on? So when you go down to the uh, down on the field, you're you're dressed a little uh, more warm as the wind is really blowing. No, actually, no. We just had the coat and tie on, but we were in both, our both of you got yeah. both of you did not have anything ab- um, beyond the blazer on. Oh yeah, but I, I I decided I would keep my seats warm in the car and left it in the car. Oh my god, <laughs> that's amazing! Um, and my gloves in the car, but. 
It's all right. All right. We got now, through it. Robert, is this your first trip as far as uh, going on uh, you know, team recruiting trips when you're watching these games before, or have you done this prior to this year? No, this was the first one, and it was really awesome. The, the, the pit hosted us unbelievably well. Super nice bunch of guys. By the way, did you guys get a chance to uh, go to Pamonte Brothers out there in Pitt? Because that is right by the stadium, and uh, it is the home of the, some of the greatest sandwiches you'll ever eat in your life. They put fries on the sandwiches over there. No, we didn't. We actually were there just about 24 hours. We got there on a Friday, after, on mm-hmm. a Friday afternoon just in time to go see Coach. Game was at noon. Yep. And uh, right after the game, we went straight to the airport and got back home Saturday night. Well, that's a quick business trip. That really is. Um, Wake Forest beat Syracuse in another big one, 45-35. So the Cuse losing streak continues. Um, And Hartman had a huge game, four touchdowns and 331 passing yards for Wake, who also is very much in the running right now to come to El Paso. Yes, they are. And apparently uh, Hartman uh, is only three touchdown passes away from uh, getting the all-time ACC record for touch, touchdown passes. 32 touchdowns so mm-hmm. far this season, 3,074 yards, and they get Duke. That's a terrific football game, by the way, yes. uh, coming up uh, here. And one of those teams will finish 8-4. and four. The other will be 7-5 and five, uh, when it's all said and done. So that's our ACC look. All right, let's talk Pac-12. Uh, the, the, the games that were supposed to be good lived up to the hype, guys. USC-UCLA, 48-45 was the final score in this one. USC escapes with the three-point win. And also, Oregon beats Utah by a field goal, 20-17. Bernie, let's talk about those two to kick it off. Oh, again, four great teams. Uh, unfortunately, probably, you know, Oregon is probably out of our picture, you know, as is USC and those schools. But I'll tell you what, there's some pretty good teams that are going to still might be in our picture. Like I said, the worst we can do, I think, from the Pac-12 is 8-4. and four. And uh, we're excited. Uh, we're excited. We probably have 15 wins combined for uh, both teams in the Tony Tiger Sumble. Wild. Absolutely wild. Possibly 16. I mean, there's still a chance that we might get an 8-4 ACC team. Oregon State beat Arizona State pretty easily on the road. Uh, Washington easily handled Colorado. Um, Cal beat Stanford. And then Washington State uh, went to Tucson, and they th- they hung 31 on Arizona. This wasn't even a close game, Bernie. This was 31-6 going into the fourth before the Wildcats scored a couple touchdowns, but uh, too little too late for them. Yep. Yeah. Washington State might st- – well, they could be in our picture except for the f- reason that they were here last year and yeah. by contract. We do not have to take a repeat team, but uh, but we could if we had to. And uh, they're a pretty good football team. They are a pretty they good football pretty team. They are pretty good football team. And they have a chance, as we'll talk about in a little bit, to win the Apple Cup. And if they beat Washington – uh, you know, we'll talk about possible bowl ramifications because what I want to discuss is not just the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl, but what other bowls could like if Washington State beats Washington in the Apple Cup and they finish eight and four. Do you expect them to go to a bowl game that is above the uh, Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl or below? What do you think, think will happen? You know, I, I speak to my colleagues at the Alamo, not at the Alamo Bowl, but at the uh, Las Vegas Bowl and the Holiday Bowl, and I know at the Hol- Holiday Bowl they would like to get a Washington. Yeah. I know they don't want a UCLA. They might they don't they might like a Utah, but Las Vegas likes Utah. And then you still have USC and you know USC out there who and Oregon who might possibly be in the New Year six, both of them, depending on what happens. Uh, I was kind of surprised that USC was ranked sixth in the CFP rankings. I mm-hmm. thought they would overtake LSU, but uh, but they didn't. But that set up LSU's got to play Georgia. Uh, you've got to play Georgia, and if USC you know, beats uh, uh, Notre Dame this week, they might jump into that spot and go to the, and go to the playoffs. What happens if uh, Oregon State beats Oregon in the Civil War? 
Then what? Then I think then the winner then the winner of the Rose Bowl, uh, the winner of the championship game would probably just wind up at the Rose Bowl. Okay. I don't think Oregon can. I don't think Oregon can move into the playoffs, but they'll. But they could still possibly be in a New Year's Six. Do you see Oregon State in El Paso if they beat Oregon this weekend? If they beat Oregon, I still think yes. But if they beat Oregon, if they beat Oregon, I think the Holiday Bowl all of a sudden is interested in Oregon State. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. All right, uh, let's do trivia. Give somebody a chance to win a pair of tickets to the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl. First person through at five zero five six zero zero nine with the correct answer is uh, going to have a chance to uh, join us on December the thirtieth. You know, it's been pretty, pretty, pretty hard. Uh, Stumping anybody, they get the they get these answers, and you know we have a couple of guys and Eddie Morelos and and Jay Pritchard digging into our record books looking for some tough questions. But I like that. Can't find any tough ones. Everybody's pretty good. Well, here for two tickets to the Tony Tiger the Sun Bowl game on December thirtieth. Here we go. In the latest CFP rankings: TCU is ranked number four, and Southern Cal is ranked number six. What year did those two teams play against each other in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl? And who won the C.M. Hendricks MVP award? Ooh, good questions. Good, good questions. I need the name, the team, and the person who won the most, most valuable player award. As well as the year. And the year. So player name, team for the most valuable player award, and also the year the game was played. Gotcha. All right. Again, 505-6009 as we continue. When we come back, Chick-fil-A Sun Bowl Selectum Contest. We'll find out how we're all doing. And uh, we'll have uh, Robert join us in the Celebrity Picks. All that and more as Sports Talk continues with the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Watch. Let's go first to Charlie Wan to get this traffic update. And welcome back as we continue on the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Watch. Steve Kaplowitz with you along with Bernie Olivas and Robert Dunlop, uh, the president of this year's Sun Bowl. Now, we're getting ready, folks. We are getting ready for the... Chick-fil-A, Tony the Tiger, Sun Bowl Selectum Contest. Is this the final? This is the final week, correct, for us? Week 13. This is final week. Next week, only the, only the winners get to play on Championship Saturday. Ah, Now, i got to tell you something, all right? Adrian's trailing us, Bernie. I think I've got a one-game lead on you and about a three- or four-game lead on Adrian. Um, and we all know the rules. Loser is going to have to buy lunch uh, at uh, Chick-fil-A. And with this being the last week, Adrian was just called away on some station business and I'm wondering if maybe it's because he already knows he's buying lunch. He's at the ATM. Yeah, that's you know what? That's probably the reason why. He, he knows. He knows he's lost. He's he 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 went during the break and said, "Here you go," and he gave me his picks because I think he realizes that barring a miracle, uh, you know, he is going to be the one having to foot the bill on on this year's uh, on this year's lunch bet. So. There's no way he could catch us. There's just no way he. Could I catch don't us. think so. It'd have to be ten upsets. It would be. Yeah. Or, you know. I ain't going to do it. No, I'm with you on that one. I'm with you. Um, Now, we have a celebrity uh, guest picking with us. Robert Dunlop, who is this year's uh, Sun Bowl president, getting an opportunity to pick games. And, Robert, are you uh, pretty much uh, aware of how the rules go here? Yeah. I watch uh, College Game Day every Saturday, so... Good. I think I know what to do. Now, we're just picking straight-up winners. We're not, right. we're not even going. Yep, just right. like game day. No spread here. That's no right. Spread. That's and, Bernie, the good news is is that if uh, somebody outpicks Robert, at least the uh, top person will, who wins this contest, they get a little extra bonus uh, in addition to Absolutely. the tickets. Absolutely. Thanks to Anthony and, jo- and, and Joy over there at the, on Edgemere and, uh, and Airway at the Chick-fil-A. They get a big family pack. 
I like that. I don't think that there has been a celebrity picker yet who has beaten our winner. How? Uh, the closest was John Teicher, but he, he got eight, and the winner had ten that, that week. Wow. That's right. How about last week? How'd that go? How'd our celebrity do you know, last I can, week? You know, I, I was looking it up, and I got inter- interrupted, and I forgot to, to, to look. But I'll, I, I okay. need to go and, and, and send him an email saying, hey, you got beat. I don't think you got a 9 out of 10. Now, that'd, that would be kind of tough. Yeah. Plus, he was on the phone out in Michigan uh, when he was picking with us. So, I don't know. I feel we'll like, see. look, uh, last week, we all, the three of us, all had seven right. So, nobody gained any ground in any possible way. Which means, Bernie, for the two of us, it's all down to this week. That's it. And we don't know, folks, if we've picked the same Bad games yet. The thing for me is, i got to beat you by two games. You do. You do. That's going to be tough. You never know, Bernie. Stranger <laughs> things have happened That's for it. you to get bragging rights. Yep. And, and Adrian needs a miracle, which is why uh, he's at the ATM machine right now and not with us here uh, in our Lubingo Oil Change The lock studios. of the week is that Adrian is not going to catch us. <laughs> yeah. The lock of the week is actually Virginia, Virginia Tech. Yeah. Because that game has been canceled, therefore uh, it's a freebie for everybody who plays at Sumble.org, no matter what team they choose. That's right. That is right. All right. Are you guys ready? Here we go. Ready. Let's get started. You know the rules. We will go through the matchups, and then we'll all choose our teams. All right. And these are all rivalry games for the most part. Very exciting stuff. Uh, let's begin with Friday night's Battle of Arizona. You have the 4-7 and seven Arizona Wildcats hosting the 3-8 and eight Arizona State Sun Devils out there at Arizona Stadium in Tucson. Uh, both teams are currently 2-6 and six in the Pac-12. Arizona, four-point favorites at home over the Sun Devils. Robert, you are our guest picker. We will begin with you. All right. Well, I lived in Tucson for two years, so i got to go with Arizona. All right. They're playing for pride. They are playing. That's exactly right. State pride. Nobody's going bowling no matter what happens here. So you're going to go Arizona. What about you, You're right. Neither team is going to be bowl eligible. Arizona showed a lot of stuff in beating UCLA. I'm going with I'm going with the Wildcats. Yep, that makes three of us. Uh, we will all go Wildcats. Every uh, Adrian pick, since I have the list, will be will be the last pick because he can't talk. You know, it's gotcha. uh, he's muted, unfortunately. So I will give you Adrian's choice. Adrian goes Arizona as well for our first uh, of ten games, and really nine since uh, Virginia Virginia Tech is not uh, going to be in the running. So we all go Arizona. We're unanimous, which leads us to game number two over in the ACC. Also on Friday afternoon, this is a 1.30 ABC game. North Carolina meets North Carolina State. Uh, it's at Chapel Hill. Uh, North Carolina, 9-2, and 6-1 and one in the ACC. NC State, 7-4, and 3-4 and four in the ACC. Uh, both teams coming off of bad losses last week. However, North Carolina, Bernie, 6.5-point favorites at home. Going to be a great game with one of those take throw the records out kind of kind of games like everybody has once a year, uh, but I think North Carolina and Mac Brown are going to prevail here. I'm picking North Carolina. All right, North Carolina for you. Um, fair enough. Now um, let's go back to you, Robert. Which game do you have here? Yeah, I, I love Mac Brown and North Carolina, and I love the fact that uh, I can rub it in my Texas friends that Mac Brown's nine and two, and Texas is where I don't know where they are. But yeah, I'm going to go with North Carolina. 
You know, I went to Texas. Did you <laughs> oh, know that? Sorry. No, that's okay. But, uh, trust me, I've heard it from so many different people. Uh, you're just another one. <laughs> Long list. So there you go. Uh, I am also going North Carolina, and so is Adrian. So right now, we are all unanimous in our first two selections. That takes us to game number three in the Pac-12. Also on Friday, this one will be played 2.30 in the afternoon on Fox from Cal Memorial Stadium in Berkeley, it'll be the uh, Golden Bears at 4 and 7, 2 and 6 in the Pac-12 hosting UCLA, 8 and 3, 5 and 3 in the Pac-12. UCLA Robert 10-point favorites on the road. Lead us off. Yeah, I like UCLA in this one cuz they're going to play angry after losing that game last week to USC. Well, they, they are absolutely right. A uh, game they know they want back, Bernie. Uh, UCLA, 10-point uh, favorites. Robert says go with the Bruins. What about you? This is the luck of the week. It's UCLA by a lot. All right. Uh, we are all in agreement. I will take UCLA, and so will Adrian. So, so far, no surprises through our first three games. That takes us to the Civil War. All right. This one's going to be fun. We're excited about uh, what's going to happen 1.30 when these two teams uh, kick off from uh, Corvallis uh, in, in uh, Oregon. It's going to be Oregon State, 8-3, and 5-3 and three in the Pac-12, hosting number 9 Oregon, 9-2, and 7-1 and one in the Pac-12. Oregon, three-point favorites on the road. Bernie, we'll start with you. Another one of those throw the records out the doors. Oregon's going to win this one, though, on the road. All right. You've got Oregon. What about you, Robert? Not so fast, Bernie. I think it's going to be Oregon State. <laughs> hey, our first curveball from Robert. Go. Oregon State, uh, I want them to win. I want them to come here at 9-3. and three. It'd be awesome. There you go. So I'm, with you, I'm with you there. I just, just think I know. that uh, i got to catch this guy in front of me over here. Unfortunately for you, Bernie, I've taken number 12 Oregon in this game, and I've gone with the, uh, with the Ducks, and so has Adrian. So uh, thus far, three out of four pick Oregon, but our president says Oregon State because he wants Oregon State in El Paso with a 9-3 and three record. So I would love to see that happen too. But what we've learned in this contest, Robert, is pick with your head, not with your oh, heart. Oh, yes, I'm done. So, I'm done. Especially with us. We've got, we've got lunch on the line. This is big stuff. We've been doing this all season. All right, let's get to our next game. This is going to be another good one. Back to the ACC. Duke and Wake Forest. All right, this one's going to be um, at Wallace Wade Stadium in Durham, North Carolina. The Blue Devils, 7-4, and 4-3 four, four and three in the ACC. Hosting Wake, 7-4, and 3-4 and four in the ACC. Despite Wake uh, on the road, they are three-and-a-half-point favorites uh, in this one. Robert, who are we taking? I like Wake Forest because Hartman's going for the record. I think he's going to throw it all over the field. All right. Wake Forest on the road from Robert. What about you, Bernie? I'm going the other way. I'm going with Duke. I was kind of impressed the way they played, but I, really, I was very impressed with Pittsburgh. But I, I, uh, I was kind of impressed, except for that coaching move, I think they had a chance to win, or at least they would have given themselves a chance to win in overtime if they just kicked extra points. I'm going with the Blue Devils. I'm so disappointed in you. I thought you were going to go wake, and we were going to be disagreeing for the first time this week. <laughs> but I am with you on this one. I also think the Blue Devils, uh, um, and I think Harmon can get the record, even in a loss. I could see that happening, but I will go uh, Duke as well, and so has Adrian. So, again, three out of four picking Duke. Robert, just like in the previous game with Oregon, Oregon State, going for Wake. 
All right. Games continue right now. I with know what next you're doing. You're just going to pick the same teams I'm picking so that I can't catch you. To let our listeners know, <laughs> when we were going to make our selections, I, uh, before we started this, it took me 30 seconds, folks, <laughs> to make these picks. 30 seconds. And the fact that Bernie and I are on the exact same wavelength tells me I'm happy I didn't overthink these games because so far, so good uh, for yours truly. Now, Bernie, as we all know, is biased towards Notre Dame. They are 8-3. and three. USC, 10-1. and one. What a matchup this is going to be. 5-30 on ABC when they meet out there at the Coliseum in Los Angeles. USC, five-and-a-half-point favorites. All right, Bernie, I'll give you first dibs. Is this where we differ? Are you going Notre Dame to win on the road? You know, Notre Dame got off to a slow start, losing a couple of games they probably shouldn't have lost. They've won their last five games in a row. They are, they are hot they right are now. They are hot. But oh. USC is ranked sixth in CFP playoff. LSU is right, right in front of them. TCU still, got, still has to play a, uh, you know, the championship game. USC has a lot to play for. They could possibly get into, this, into the CFP playoffs. I'm going with the Trojans. All right. What about you, Robert? I'm going Notre Dame. Notre Dame started out highly ranked and, and had a bunch of letdowns, so I think they're going to prove to the country that they deserve to be that high rank, and they're going to uh, spoil USC's party. The trend continues, folks. The trend continues because Adrian and I have both gone with USC in this one. They survived UCLA. That was the first test. And I think now being at home, realizing what's on the line for them, they don't let their fans down against uh, Notre Dame. And the Irish is a fine play comes to an end on Saturday evening uh, as they battle it out. All right. So we have right now a total of three games left to pick because Virginia, Virginia Tech, as we mentioned, is already uh, is, is already a no contest. So the most somebody can get right this week would be nine. Given that, let's get right to Syracuse and Boston College. Okay. This game is going to be played at Alumni Stadium in Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts. Bernie, you ever been to Chestnut Hill, Massachusetts? Yes, I have. I've How been, is it? It, is, it was cold, again. In this time of year, it was very cold. As a matter of fact, had to leave early because they were expecting a storm to come in. So uh, airlines allowed me to, to change, airlines without, uh, change my flight. Uh, but it's beautiful up there. It is a beautiful place, though. It's great. It's awesome looking. BC three and eight, two and five in the ACC. Syracuse six and five, three and four in the ACC. Syracuse, um, despite being on the road, ten and a half point favorites over uh, Boston College. Robert, as we started off, yeah, I like Syracuse in this one. They had a great start and had a bunch of letdowns, but they're going to finish strong. All right, Syracuse, it is. What about you, Bernie? Same with you know they started with six wins, have followed that with five losses, and then uh, they need somebody like Boston College to stop that stop that trend. I think it's going to happen this week. I think they'll get back on the winning track against Boston College. I'm taking Syracuse. We are all unanimous. I'm going Syracuse, and so is Adrian, which takes us uh, to our last ACC game of the week that we're going to be talking about. It's Pitt visiting Miami. Miami needs a win to become bowl eligible. They are five and six, three and four in the ACC, and they got shellacked last week. Pitt seven and four, four and three in the ACC. They want to get to eight and four. It's at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. The Panthers minus six and a, and a half on the road. Robert. Yeah, Miami's fighting to get bowl eligible, but I think they'll come up a little bit short. Pitt's going to win this game. All right, Bernie. 
I, I, I agree. I think Miami might have already mailed it in since with that tough loss last week. I've seen both of them play and in person, and I think Pittsburgh was much more impressive than when I saw Miami. I am going with the Panthers. All right. We're all unanimous right now. Um, you look at uh, the season that Pitts had. It's been uh, a big one. They've had a terrific running back as well. Uh, so we all like Pitt over Miami, which takes us to our final game. It all comes down to the Apple Cup. Will Bernie go against me and have a chance to finish tied for the lead? We will find out. Washington State, 7-4. and 4-4 four. Four and four in the Pac-12, hosting the Huskies. 9-2, 6-2 in the Pac-12. They're ranked 13th in the country. It's at Pullman Martin Stadium. It's a big one. Washington wants to win. They want 8-4. and four. They want to beat uh, uh, the Huskies in this one. So will State win or will it be Washington? Let's get right to the selections. Robert, you've got honors for the final game. All right. I like uh, Washington's been hot, so I think they're going to take down Washington State. I mean, they just thumped Colorado. What was it, by 40 points or mm-hmm. 50 points almost? So, yeah, I like Washington. All right. Washington for Robert. What about you, Bernie? I'm with the Huskies myself. I love Washington State. I think they did us a great job here last year. I love their coach. I love everybody thinking about them. But when it comes down to football, I think Washington's got a better team this year, and I'm going with the Huskies. All right. What do you think I picked? I'm sure you went with the Huskies. Not so fast, Bernie (laughs) Olivas. I went with Washington State. I'm taking Wazoo in this one. Wazoo at home, they're going to win. They're going to make the fans at Pullman storm the field. And uh, it is going to be a huge win to cap off uh, what has been to be an 8-4 and four season for uh, Washington State. So, yes, uh, I will go uh, Washington State in this one. And Wazoo also for Adrian. So, Adrian and I pick them all the same. And, Bernie, you've got a shot. The Apple Cup will decide if we finish tied this year or if I get a two-game advantage over you when it's all said and done. How about that? That's the way it's supposed to be, isn't it? All right. Come down to the last pick. And you thought I was taking Washington. <laughs> I, I love that. I really did. All right, so those are our picks. Let's do the tiebreaker. Total number of points scored during the Notre Dame-USC game. I believe it's 64 and a half for these two. Um, Robert, you have honors. I think they're just going to cover. They both scored a ton of points last week, um, so I'm going to 65. All right, 65 for Robert. Bernie? I'm going the other way by also half a point. I went 64. 64. Um, Adrian goes even lower. He goes 55. He doesn't know anything. I mean, he's in last place. <laughs> he's right? in last place, yeah. and he's not climbing out of last, <laughs> that's for sure. And I'll go 69 in this one, so I will go uh, over the total to 69, and that wraps us up for our final Chick-fil-A Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl Selectum Contest. If you haven't made your picks, do it now. Sunbowl.org. You got time. But remember, they're early games because of Thanksgiving. Get them in uh, before the weekend. Otherwise, you won't be uh, eligible to, to win the contest. Absolutely. All right. And we'll see who wins trivia. See if anybody wins trivia. Oh, I think so. I think we're gonna I think we'll announce we're gonna announce the trivia answer after this segment is over. So I gotcha. think somebody's gonna get a chance to win that trivia. Give the question out one more time, Bernie. Here it is. In the latest CFP rankings, TCU is ranked fourth. USC is ranked sixth. They played each other mm. in the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl for two tickets to the, ti- to the game. What year did they play? Who was the MVP? I got you. And I don't think we asked for the score. No, we just asked for the year, yeah. the MVP, and the team. Correct. Well, we, know the, the we know the team. We know the yeah. teams well, was the, I think it was the year, the MVP, and it the was winner, no? and, I think uh, said for the winner. 
That's right, the winner. Yes. Yeah. And the winner. That's, the right. winner. that's, that's what we need to know. Thank you. See, Who Robert, won? Yeah. Good, Robert. Robert, this yeah. is why yeah. you're here. This that's is exact. Right. This is this is part of being the president of the Sumball Association. Someone's got to keep Bernie in line. Absolutely. That is great. Listen. I want to wish uh, all of you a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I hope uh, that uh, the uh, parade tomorrow is going to be a smashing success. You know it will be. It always is. Very well attended. And I look forward to seeing you guys out there tomorrow. And hopefully everybody in El Paso comes out and checks out the parade. And one more time, I give a big shout-out to Anthony and Joy, Joy for sponsoring this, 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 fun, this fun segment of your show. It is, I look forward to it every week. And, of so course, you know, Kellogg's, Antonio Tiger, Sumble, and Glasheen, Bison, and Irman, all our title sponsors who, are, who keep us alive. They keep us going by, you know, by allowing us to put on these events. So I'd like to shout out, shout out to everybody and, of course, wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving and a happy holidays. Awesome. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for both of you being here. Um, again, uh, Robert Dunlop and uh, Bernie Olivas. Um, when we come back. Maybe Adrian will be back from the ATM machine. We'll find out, folks, and hopefully he'll be uh, giving us uh, an answer to our trivia question and a winner for our trivia contest as uh, Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.